You are listening to the Manifesting God podcast with your host, Marie Elizabeth. This podcast will uplift and thrust you into the manifestation of the promises of God in your life. I'm your host, Prophetess Marie Elizabeth, and you are listening to the Manifesting God podcast, the Manifesting God podcast. Let's get right to it. Last week, we talked about being seated with him. We talked about being seated with him. Our scripture reference from the Amplified Bible for that teaching was Ephesians 2 and 6, where it says, and he raised us up together with him. And the Amplified Version adds, when we believed and seated us with him in heavenly places, and the Amplified Version added, because we are in Christ Jesus. And the King James Version says, and hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places. So we understand from our teaching on last week that we have been made, created to sit together with Jesus Christ in heavenly places. He made us to sit with him and to take this conversation a step or so further, verse seven, and Ephesians 2, 7 and 10 says, and I'm sorry, 7 through 10 says, verse 7, we're starting with, and he did this. He made us to seat with him in heavenly places. Verse 7 says, he did this so that in ages to come, he might clearly show the immeasurable and unsurpassed riches of his grace in his kindness toward us, toward us in Christ Jesus by providing for our redemption. Now, verse eight says, for it is by grace. And we're in Ephesians um, 2, 7 through 10. Verse eight says, for it is by grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor, drawing, drawing you to Christ that you have been saved, actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life through faith, through belief. And this salvation, it's not of yourself. There is nothing you could have done that would have saved you, but it's not through, and it's not through your own effort, but it is an undeserved it is an undeserved, gracious gift of God. Verse nine says, not as a result of your works. You didn't get this gift because of what you did, nor your attempt in the Old Testament to keep the law, to stay with the legal system, the system that was in place. This is not how you got this gift. You receive this gift so that no one will be able to boast or take credit in any way for his salvation. So you're receiving it as a gift. There is nothing you can do to earn it. Therefore, you have nothing to boast about. Nothing that you can do that would take credit away from the gift of salvation that God has given us. Now, verse 10 says, why did he give us this? Because it says, for we are his workmanship his own master work of art, the Amplified Bible says, created 
in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready for use, the Amplified Bible says, for good works. We're ready for good works and God prepared for us beforehand. These are works that God has already prepared. They have, he's already prepared them for us. Good works, taking paths, which he set so that we would walk in them. He's already set the path for us to walk in. It's already there. It's there for us right now. It's there for us today. Living the Amplified Bible says living the good life, which he prearranged and made ready for us. And when I read this scripture and it talked about the good work, the good, the good work that has already been prepared for us immediately came to mind Jeremiah 29 and 11, Jeremiah 29 and 11, where it says, for I know the plans and the thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord, plans of peace and well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and to give you a hope. It is to give you a future and to give you a hope. See, we have to understand that we are seated with God in heavenly places so that God can use us as an example of recipients of his Grace. It is important for us and others to understand that we are saved because of the gift of grace. Once we believe it, and it's not something that we can do on our own, what we can decide to do on our own is stay seated and receive the grace. See, our job, our job is to let it be so. Our job is to let it be so. Agree with God and accept his placement, his positioning of you in the seat. By doing so, we are saying, God, thank you. Thank you for the gift. And I happily receive the gift. We activate faith. We are activating faith when we take a seat where we understand God has positioned us in heavenly places and we rest in his seat and we hold our glory and we allow, we allow by doing this, his grace. We allow ourselves to be shown off as instruments of his grace, as recipients of his grace. Our job, just let it be so. See, when we allow ourselves to be distracted and moved <clears throat> from the seat, when we allow ourselves to be distracted and moved from our heavenly seat, then the enemy has succeeded. He has succeeded in moving us from our place of grace. He succeeded in removing us from our place of grace and successfully, he has successfully changed our response to God's gift given in kindness to mind you something as simple as a no, thank you. No, thank you. Because we allowed distractions. We allowed, we allowed what's happening around us to move us from our seat. And you know, it's about time that we come to the realization and the acceptance that there are some of us who don't quite know who we are, but understand the enemy does. 
He's been watching you for years. He's been watching you a lifetime, your lifetime, and he knows what to do to distract you, to move you from your seat. You know, there's this thing that I see time to time um, on the news. If you're looking at the news, all the news um, outlets will be talking about this one particular thing. And I've always felt that when they're talking about this one particular thing, they're trying to get me to look left so that I don't see what's happening to my right. They're trying to distract me from the workings to the right of me. So I made a decision early on that when the focus, when the focus is all trying to point me to the left, I on purpose stand still. I on purpose I do it. I choose to stand still and keep my eyes to my right on God and not allow uh, the direction that everyone, that the crowd is trying to pull me in, actually move me from my seat of grace, move me from my seat of grace. Distractions will move you from your seat of grace. See, this is something that we have to consider. We have to consider that once we get out of our seat, there is a change of behavior. There's a drastic change in our response. Um, before, when, before we moved from our seat, you know, as in when we were sitting, we trusted God to fight for us. We knew that he held the defeat of our enemy in his hand. We knew it was in his mouth. We knew that he was the one that that fought our battles if we held our peace. But what happens when we move from our seat, our response, our response goes from a quiet, sure silence to a loud negative. A proud, quiet response to a loud, negative response. And that indicates to God that uh, we don't need your help. When we move from our seat and we decide to respond, we're telling God, we got this. Don't need your help. I've got this. And God has promised to fight for you. For you. For you. He has no desire to for you to ignite a battle and he fight with you. No, he wants all of the glory. God wants all of the honor and he's willing to fight our battles to get it. We just have to agree with him and stay seated in that place of grace and, uh, and that seat in heavenly places in that place of grace where God can show us off as as recipients of his extreme kindness and as recipients of that grace, of that grace. See, when we begin to move, when we begin to move or begin to answer for ourselves, we move from our position of grace and it makes us, it makes us uh, susceptible to the tactics of the enemy. He now has access to us by our own permission because we move. Because we move. Remember now, we gotta, we gotta remember this. The enemy has a desire to isolate us. The goal is to isolate us. And if he can get us to move from that heavenly seat, that seat of grace, that seat where we are protected, that seat where God, where God fights for us. If he can get us to move, he has successfully 
isolated us. He has success, he has successfully moved us away from the grace of God that would protect us, the grace of God that would defend us. He has successfully moved us from the place where we believed. He moved us from the place of faith. He has, see, this only solidifies to him when we sat down in the seat that we believed. And that before long, now before long, after he gets us out of that seat, now our response becomes a response of the, that the enemy would give. We become, we become the one that's seeking to devour and seeking to destroy because of our, because we got up from our seat, because we felt the need to fight our battles, because we stepped away from God's grace. We are now in enemy territory and we are now isolated right where the enemy wants us. He's got us right where he wants us. This is why what is required of us when we sit in the seat is simply to receive God's grace and the good works, the good works that he's already prepared for us. Listen, your hands are full. Your hands are full with your peace. Your ears should be full with the instruction from God for good works. You don't have you have no space. You should have no space by which to get up and address the tactics of the enemy. You have no time to get up and allow yourself to be drawn away from grace, to be drawn away from faith, to be drawn away from when you first believed to fight an enemy that God already promised to fight for you. You have in fact descended when you should have ascended, should have ascended. See the sidebar here. I'm just going to go aside for a minute here. Um, uh, the scripture says good works, right? So God will always give us a visual all around us, all around. So we can see what he is really trying to tell us. And in this case, he mentions good works as an indicator for us to know if we, if we, the, they, us are all properly seated. So don't ignore your works. Don't ignore your fruit. Examine your fruit, examine your works and make sure that they are works, that they are deeds of the spirit and not works and deeds of the flesh. See, as I said earlier, the enemy's gift, it produces a different response. It, the enemy's gifts, it, they produce a different response. They're operating under a different connotation, meaning a different view, a different view, meaning it will affect good works because of its positioning. Once you get up from the seat, your position has changed. Your works will change. Your works, they change. See, if one is not seated that in the position of, of where God placed us, if you're not seated in heavenly places and you get up and walk away, it's an either or scenario. You're either seated in the world or you're seated in heavenly places. And your response will tell us where 
you are seated. Your response tells us where you are seated. See, if you are seated in the world, that is a lower place. That is a place of dissension. That is a place of going down. That is not the place of ascension. It's telling us your response sometimes are telling those around you that, you know, you have moved into the world, a lower place of, of, of dissension, and it has been exchanged. You, you've exchanged your ascension for descension, right? This is why we must allow God. This is why we must allow God to fitly join us in the body. He promised he would, but sometimes we won't let him do it. We won't sit still long enough for him to do that in us, Ephesians 4 and 16, so that that joint that we are attached to, that joint that supplies what is needed and and the one to the right of us that we supply and the one to the left that supplies us, what's, what's happening here is when we are out a place in this particular scenario and we're we're not uh, allowing God to fitly join us we don't even have with us to our left or our right someone someone that can call us out on our change of works so that we can get back in line we don't have someone that we trust someone that we trust that can call us out when our works are that of dissension, when our works are not that of ascension. They are not works of faith. Your response is not of faith. Your 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 um your words are not at faith as a work of faith. What you build is not a work of faith. See, it's either or. We're either going to sit. In the heavenly seats where that God has made us to sit in and receive his grace and receive his good works for us already pre-planned. Or we're going to take a seat in the world and we're going to receive of the enemy. We're going to receive of the enemy works. We're going to receive of the enemy responses and we will act on them. We will move on them unless we allow God to fitly join us as he's promised he, he would and he has so that we can be corrected and realigned and realigned. See, what I'm doing here is I'm painting a picture here of either or. There are choices to be made. There is a choice that is manifesting and the results thereof. You simply have to examine the results. And make a decision according to the word of God if you are operating from a place of ascension or descension. Because we know that the enemy loves to mimic God. He'll have you think what you're doing, what you're saying, the way you're responding, the um, the way you the way your works are 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 manifesting. He'll lead you to believe that it is of the kingdom of God. When it's absolutely not, there can be no more back and forth, no more up and down. The result of being seated in heavenly places or standing up in the world are starkly different. And as the remnant and as God's trusted leaders of the remnant, each one, each group must make a conscious decision to stay Seated. See, the cost of movement puts another's eternal life at risk. 
You're putting someone else's life at risk. And that's what we're talking about today. Our topic, the spirit of ascension, the spirit of ascension. And we're going to talk about its requirements. We're going to talk about its character and the benefits, the benefits that the spirit of that one that's operating in the spirit of ascension, the gifts that they receive. See, the reason why I want to talk about the requirements of ascension, because today it still exists. It still exists. Even after all we've learned in 2020, there is still a vain need in the church, in the body of Christ to be the best, to be the top, to be the all encompassing, to be, to be God. Much like the enemy, much like the world, there's competition for being and doing the most, doing the best. I've got the latest revelation. I, I have the latest understanding. It's, there's a competition that still seems to be happening in our churches today, although that has yet to be effective in what God is actually requiring and what we were made for. See, we were not made. God did not make us to be those folks that are in competition because each of us, to each of us, he has imparted a good plan. He has a good plan. My plan might not look like your plan. Your plan might not look like my plan, but there, you, it still should be a God-given plan. A God-given plan that, should, that, should, that you should grab hold of. That you should grab hold of and allow the weight of that plan to keep you in your seat. See, there has been little to no realization that God has changed directions. He has changed directions. Even after all we've learned in 2020, we still don't see that God has changed directions because of the inability to follow his instruction of sitting in heavenly places in the seat in heavenly places so that he can use us as examples of his kindness examples of his grace people though whom he can disperse those who he, whom he can disperse his mysteries his mysteries and use them in the body of christ use them in the body of christ for what to perfect the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, a perfect man, measuring up to a stature, just a stature of the fullness of Christ. You see, once we believe in Jesus Christ and we receive the gift of salvation, Romans 10 and 9, Acts 16 and 3, John 3, 16, the Bible tells us that not only will we do the works that Jesus Christ did, we will do greater works, John 14 and 12. However, however, there's an issue. The issue is and I want you to think about this. The issue is Jesus' ministry began when he was 30. Jesus' ministry um, didn't start until he was, when he was fully operating, going and getting disciples, traveling, healing, um, raising the dead. That was three years 
approximately three to four years, somewhere in there was his time frame, was his time frame. How old are we? How old are we? We've, we've been granted already more time than Jesus Christ had. More time. So greater works that we that we are doing or should be doing, we've got more time than Jesus had to do them in. How about if greater works is the greater time that we have to do the work of Christ in that work that says we're to perfect the saints. We're to work the ministry. We're to edify the body of Christ. We're to bring unity to the faith to the faith. See, it's it's something because Jesus Christ at the age of 12 was telling his his family, I've I have to be about my father's business. This is this is this is what I'm called to. I have to be about my father's business. So Focused are some on doing greater works, such as raising the dead and healing the sick, but they haven't used the first part of their greater works in their greater time. You have more time and you still have yet to do the simple things, the simple things, perfect the saints, work the ministry, edify the body of Christ, bring everyone into the unity of faith. That alone, that the time that we have alone to do that in is already proven to be the greater work. We have more time assigned to our lives to do the first thing, which is stay seated in heavenly places. And I'll say it again, so that God can disperse, so that he can disperse his, his the mysteries of God to us. So we stay seated so that he can disperse those mysteries of to us of himself and use them in the body of Christ. We're going to use those those mysteries that we're going to use that revelation of him. We're going to use that understanding of God, of God to do what? Again, work the ministry, edify the body of Christ. Bring everyone into the unity of faith and the knowledge of Christ. Bring them, bring them to the point of a perfect man, measuring up to the stature of the fullness of Christ. See, understand here, I am in no way minimizing the effort that it takes to stay seated. With all that is happening in the world today, all of the distractions that can come to the leaders or to the people that follow them, like tending to our homes or our children or our jobs or whatever, that, that's, a, that's a difficult thing. That's why staying seated is a conscious decision. We have to tune out the noise of the church, the people with the church, and we have to make a conscious decision, leaders, a conscious decision, people, to stay seated, to stay seated. See, because God has shifted, and that means that we have to shift as well. We have to evolve into a measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, or we will be of no use to the kingdom of God. If we are not willing to evolve to a level of discipline that will cause us to stay in our seats, stay in that near place to God, then we are just about rendering ourselves disqualified for what God is doing now. 
We are rendering ourselves disqualified. Why? Because God won't be able to trust us. He won't be able to trust us. If we're in and out of our seat, he's in the middle of talking. He's in the middle of instructing us. He's in the middle of showing us his mysteries. And here we are looking to the left and the enemy uses something to distract us. And we walk off right in the middle of God's sentence while he's talking. And then we wonder why we don't know what to do or how to do. We didn't stay seated long enough for God to call on us to share with us those mysteries of himself so that we can take it and disperse it. And others can be saved because it's always going to be about others. It's never, ever to the never going to be about you. You've already been first. Now it's time for you to relinquish that position of first and understanding who Christ is and pass it down to the next person. Now you become last. And let that person, give that person what they need to get a revelation of who God is, who God is. See, what I've said already has painted a picture of God's grace over our lives, especially, especially when we look back on how much of God's time in our years of living we've wasted with things that have nothing to do with being about our father's business, with being about our father's business. That will take a lot of discipline on our part. I am uh, determined this year. I am determined to teach myself not to get caught up with anything that has nothing to do with my father's business. My father's business, not things, not people. I'm interested in my father being about my father's business. God, my father's business alone. Have I perfected it yet? Oh no, I'm a human being just like you. So sometimes I get distracted. So what I'm learning now is watching and looking and examining the tools that the enemy will use to distract us to move us because like I said he knows us better than we know ourselves we still some of us have yet to know what helps and what hurts us so we don't know what moves us away we don't know those what those distractions are that move us away from our seat but the enemy knows the enemy is clear he is clear on what can move us. He is clear on how to distract us. My spiritual goal of discipline is not only to sit in my seat. So another level to that, my, my, my efforts are towards sitting in my seat silently. Not responding to the tactics of the enemy. Why? Because God had already promised to fight my battles if I'd simply hold my peace. So my goal is not only to sit in my heavenly seat, but my goal is to sit there silently. Silently. You see, because God is not going to overtalk me. He's not going to, he's not going to force his words on me. So in order for me to show that I am willing, God, to hear from you, not only am I going to sit, but I am going to sit silently, silently. See, we all, we all must learn what we need to stay on track.
what we need to stay on track and even understand what derails us from our spiritual and even our natural goals. What derails us? Years and years ago, a lesson my mother just drilled, drilled, drilled into me. And anyone that came around, you got to know yourself. You have to know yourself. And can I tell you, she taught me something that, 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 that's like half the battle. Half the battle. If I know that, if I know that respond, if I know that certain things when they happen will cause me to respond, I stay away from those certain things so that I'm nowhere near it to respond to it. And I don't let people bring it in my presence because I know that it will give a response that I don't want. So I decided that I'm not going to, not only am I not going to go and do things that I know are not good for me and that take me offline with Christ, I also am going not going to allow anyone else, anyone else to do that for me, to bring things to me that move me from my position with Christ, with Christ, you know. Um, I see some ladies on the line. So let me say this, ladies, look at it like this. It's like the breakup with a with an old boyfriend who has smooth words. I mean, he has a Mac and it took you so long to break up with him because he will always woo you back, even though you knew that that relationship was no good for you. So look at it like this. You're you're pretty much it's the same type of scenario where you're 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 staying away, literally going, not going places that maybe, you know, that that person would be until you're strong enough to not to stand up to the wooing and deny it and deny it. So you have to get yourself to a point where anything around you that would even attempt to distract you from your seat, you don't allow it in your presence. If it's social media, if that distracts you from your seat, then don't get on social media. If 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 it's if it's like I said, if it's the guy that you used to date, then go don't go to the places that you know that that guy is. You know, it's the same thing for the male. If that female particularly can grab you with the sway of your hips sway of her hips and you don't want that that's not what you want that's not going to be that relationship is not going to be good for you then you don't then you go you go other places across town where you know that person is not we can, we don't we can you know some of these things we can control some of these distractions once we know what they are we can control them we can control them if we know ourselves. If we have a desire to discipline ourselves, we can control them. We can control them. There are irritants that come with social media, um, um, offline conversations, all of that. You know, there are, there, are, there are distractions that come with that. You have to know. You have to know what will lead you in the direction that will promote or destroy your own cause. You have to know that you can't blame anybody for that. You can't blame someone when you took a phone call from someone that annoys you or that someone that gets under your skin. You can't blame anyone for that. You can't blame anyone for, uh, I don't know, just I'm looking at, I see, I see my sister posted. You, I can't, I can't blame her if I'm hurting after the workout. Didn't I decide to do the workout? Didn't it benefit my body? So why, why am I, why am I looking at her? I made a decision. 
decision. I made a decision, decision such as with the things of God. We know that every moment isn't going to be a pleasant moment. Some moments with God are hurtful, especially when we have to grow up and let go. But the goal should be, the high level goal is to grow up. So that means you have to let go. And that means that there might be a little pain or there might be a little discomfort. There might be a little discomfort. See, there's a requirement to re to um to um get in and remain in ascension there is a requirement to get in the position of and remain in ascension ephesians 4 and 1 let me start there it says this i therefore the prisoner of the lord beseech ye that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherein you are called you can't do that unless you stay in your seat verse 2 with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. And right here, with all lowliness and meekness, lowliness and meekness and long suffering. Lowliness and meekness will cause you to humble yourself and sit in your seat. Long suffering, long suffering and forbearing another in love. That's going to require that you keep your mouth shut. That's going to require that you don't respond. Long suffering requires no response, no response, none at all. Verse three, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. That's the goal. That's the goal of ascension. That is the requirement of ascension, lowliness, meekness, long suffering, Forbearing one another, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Holy Spirit in the bond of peace. That is a requirement of ascension. You must be willing to be unified with the Spirit. Hold your bond of peace. Be bound with peace. Why? Because verse 4 says there is only one body. There's one Spirit. Even ye, as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, verse 5 says, one faith, one baptism. Verse 6 says, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. But listen to verse 7, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Every one of us, we have the grace. We have, we've been made to seat, to sit in heavenly places. So we have the grace. It's already been given to us according to how God measured it, according to how Christ measured it. Wherefore, in verse 8, it says, he saith when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Now, he that ascended, what is it but that he should also descend first to the lower parts of the earth? See, when he descended is the same also as ascended up far above the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave some. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers. He, he descended, Christ descended, and he came up 
with a heavenly seat for us to sit in. So there is no need for us to feel as if we have to walk in a place of dissension. Our place, our seat is a heavenly seat. And it is a, it is a place that once we, once just like Christ, he ascended, he came up with gifts. When Christ ascended, he came out with gifts. When, when we move from our seat, when we move from our seat, what are we giving? When we move from the seat, our heavenly seat, what exactly are we giving? Is it a godly gift? Are we giving what God has given us? Or are we giving more the world more of the same? More of the same. I challenge you because you're giving more of the same. Once you get up from your seat, you are giving more of the same. Of the same. See, when Christ got up from his seat, he gave us apostles. Apostles are messengers sent forth with orders. So he gave us orders. He gave us prophets. Prophets interpret the oracles. They interpret the hidden things of God. They declare to men by inspiration concerning future events. So he gave us a prophet. He gave us an evangelist. He gave us one that would bring the good tidings. He gave us a pastor, the director of the assembly, a shepherd. He gave us a shepherd. He gave us a teacher, one that could teach us concerning the things of God and man. He gave us gifts that would help us to be perfected in him. He gave us gifts that would help us to work the ministry to that would edify the body of Christ, that would bring the people into the unity of the faith, help them and give them the knowledge of the Son of God, of, 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 and raise them up into a perfect man and unto a, a measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. These are the types of gifts that Christ gave when he ascended. So it takes me back and it makes me think about the good works that he has planned for us. If Christ upon his ascension was given us orders, was given us someone that would disclose to us future events. If he was giving someone that would give, deliver to us good tidings, um, a, a shepherd, um, someone that would teach us the very oracles concerning Christ, the teacher. If he's coming up with gifts like that, good works like that, you you got to figure, you got to measure your works. You got to measure your works. You got to measure your works. Again, you must measure your works. Are they good works? Are you giving good gifts? Because Jesus, when he descended, when he, once he ascended, he gave us good gifts. He gave us gifts that would perfect us. He gave us, gave us gifts that would help us to work um, the ministry that he gives us. How come, how come then when some of us were saying we're seated, but we don't give gifts like Christ gave gifts. We're not giving gifts that would cause one to be perfected. We're not giving gifts that would cause one to be able to work a ministry. We're not giving gifts that edify and build up the people of God. We're not giving gifts that, that promote the unity the unity of the faith. We're not giving gifts that promote the understanding of the son of God. We're not giving gifts that help the people of God to measure up to the stature of God. So 
You have to do. And the reason why we're not we're not giving those kind of gifts, because we won't allow the spirit of ascension to consume us. We go in and out between a spirit of dissension down to a spirit of ascension. We go back and forth and the gifts that we give when we're going back and forth are corrupted gifts. They are corrupted gifts. They serve no purpose and can help no one. But remember now, we're the people that's supposed to do greater works than Christ did. And we've already wasted years. Some of us have. We're well past 33 years. And we have not yet, not yet made up our mind to operate in a spirit of ascension. And give good gifts to men. When we open our mouths, everything should be a gift. Everything should be a gift. When we open our mouths, order should come out. When we open our mouths, uh, future declarations, prophets should come out. A revelation of, of what God is saying is what should come out. For the evangelist, we, when we open our mouth, good tidings should come out. When we open our mouth, the people should hear the shepherd. They should hear the care, the love of the shepherd. When we open our mouth, uh, an understanding, a greater understanding of God is what the listener should receive when we open our mouths, when we open our mouths. See, when we're thinking about um, growing a, a body of believers that should be um, growing into a perfect man, man unto the measure of the status of the stature, I'm sorry, of the fullness of Christ, measure there is, is an instrument for measuring. It's the Greek word metron. It's a vessel for receiving and determining the quality of things. Measuring is a, a vessel for receiving and determining the quality of things. See, anything that we disperse when we're in our seat of ascension, when we're seated in heavenly places, when we're seated in heavenly places, should dictate a vessel for receiving and determining the quantity of things. It should dictate a vessel for receiving and determining the quantity of things. It's the rule for standard judgment. It takes us right back to Ephesians 2 and 7. And he did so, so that in ages to come, he might clearly show immeasurable and surpass riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Jesus Christ by providing for our redemption, the Amplified Bible says. So again, when we're talking about maturity, maturity, maturity that measures unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, every word that proceeds out of our mouth, every response, it must be a response that causes growth. That's what I'm saying. It must be a response that causes one to grow. It must be a response that, that sets up one to be a vessel for receiving and determining. A vessel that can receive and determine and qualify truth. A vessel that can receive and determine and qualify truth. Qualify truth. We should be replicating. 
I'm saying we should be replicating. We should be replicating. We shouldn't be like children any longer. We shouldn't be tossed to and fro. And when we speak, it shouldn't be anyone technically around us that is like a child being tossed to and fro, being tossed to and fro. Why? Because when we show up, when we show up from our place of ascension, from our place of ascension, there's order. There's future declarations. There's good tidings. There's the shepherd and there's the teacher that's teaching the knowledge of God. So we should be raising one up so that they eventually measure, measure, so that they eventually measure, measure to the stature of Christ. No more children. No more children. No more children. I'm going to keep saying that because I so, so much childish behavior in the church today. So much, so much. See, okay, let me let me keep on going. Um, let me go to verse 16 here where it says, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. When we are in our place of ascension and we move and we move, and we move, if we have that joint that is supplying, if we just slip off our, our foot, just, just goes to the left when it should have stayed to the right, just a little bit, there should be a joint there, right there that supplies, according to the effectual working of the measured part that should increase the body and edify itself in love. So it should pull you right back in. This, it should pull you right back in. See, because this tells me that it is not about one individual alone. It's bigger, way bigger than you and me. God wants to be able to show us off so that those that do not know him will be drawn to him. They will be drawn to him. Remember John 12 and 32, it says that if Christ is lifted up, that he will draw, he will draw the people to himself. And the King James Amplified Version, it says, and I, if, if, and when I am lifted up, from the earth on the cross will draw people to myself. Everyone, I will draw people to myself. See, it's our turn now. It's our turn now to do as Christ did on the cross, to bear up under, bear up under the harsh words, bear up under the harsh treatment of hatred, bear up under the misunderstandings, Keep your mouth closed so that God can show his grace through us. He wants to draw people unto himself and he wants to use us to do it. He wants to use us to do it. It is about making the Lord Jesus Christ attainable. Make him touchable to people. Make him touchable to non-believers. Jesus Christ already did his part on the cross. Now, as believer, it's believers, it's our turn. It's our turn to do our part and allow God's glory to be exhibited in and through us so that God can get the glory because that's all that matters. That's being about my father's business, assuring that all glory is given to him, not us, not us. We can say we are staying seated, allowing God to use us as example, examples of his grace, but for some, 
just for some, our actions give away what is really going on in our hearts when our reaction shows up. When our reaction shows up, remember now, we have to guard our heart. We have to guard our our hearts because out of it pours our actions, Proverbs 4 and 23. We have to keep our hearts with diligence, on purpose. Keep our hearts because out of it pours the issues of life. In issues, there are actions. The New Living Testament Bible says that we should guard our hearts above all else for it determines the course of our lives. Matthew reminds us in 15 and 18, but the things that come out of the mouth they are from your heart. So that's when we know you're not seated. When the things that come of you, out of your mouth oppose God's grace, oppose God's grace, because that's what you're doing when you decide to fight your own battle. When the words come out of your mouth, the Bible tells us in Matthew 15, 18, those words defile a man. You're defiling yourself by your own mouth when you choose. When you choose to address it, when you choose to read it, when you choose to talk to it, when you choose to hang out with it. And right now we have to be careful not to defile ourselves. Don't make your own self dirty by mean, by way of your own mouth. Don't do that by way of your own mouth. You're disqualifying yourself from being used of God. We have to guide our own hearts toward the correct course. Proverbs 23 and 19 says, listen, my son, listen, my daughter, I'll say, and be wise and guide your heart in the right course. You guide your heart. You guide your heart. Study to show yourselves approved. Read your word and use those words to guide your heart. See, there is, there is a character of ascension that one can easily spot. And it's, and, and, and it should be easily identifiable by the world. It's the difference maker. It's not always pretty. I can tell you right now, it's not always pretty. Not always pretty at all. See, if you're like me and you have a strong personality, it takes strong discipline. Conscious efforts all day long not to snap back at some things. It takes, I'm, I'm better now. Now, I'm, I don't know if it's age. I just kind of look at things and be like, mm. you know, I just really go ahead with your bad self. I'm that, I don't have time to respond to things like that. But it took some time to learn. It took some time to learn to be silent. It took some time when you are, I'm one that I confront. I like to confront issues. I don't like things to drag on. I like to confront it solution it, move on. I don't, I don't like to drag things on. So it took a while for me to learn how to be quiet and let God fight my battles. It took a while for me to learn that silence was not my enemy. What I found out is that I can say a lot more with silence. And I say it so much nicer <laughs> with silence. I've just found out you can say, you could say so much more with silence whole lot more with silence and you say it a whole lot nicer you say it a whole lot nicer a whole lot nicer see let, let's talk a little bit real quick about the character the character of ascension 
the character of ascension. And for that, I'm going to go to Ephesians 4, 1 through 5. Paul here is saying, I, the prisoner of the Lord, appeal to you to live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. That is to live a life, the Amplified Version says, that exhibits godly character, moral courage, personal integrity, mature behavior, a life that expresses gratitude to God for your salvation, for his grace. So right there, the spirit of ascension is characteristics, godly character, moral courage, personal integrity, mature behavior, right? And verse two, with all humility, forsaking self-righteousness, the Amplified Version says, and gentleness, maintaining self-control with patience, bearing one another and unselfish love. So the character of ascension, the character of ascension is a godly character, moral courage, personal integrity, mature behavior, a life that expresses gratitude to God, humility, leave your self-righteous attitude at the door, gentleness, maintaining self-control, maintaining self-control. These are characteristics. These are characteristics of the spirit of ascension. We know, we know that one is stayed seated and they're walking in a spirit of ascension when they have a godly character, moral courage, personal integrity, mature behavior. I'm in Ephesians 4 and 1. And um, um, mature behavior in verse 2, humility and gentleness. And gentleness. See, we don't see a lot of that today. We don't see a lot of that today. When when we're disrespected today, however that is, um, whether we're shopping in a store and someone doesn't want to serve us because of the color of our skin, whether whether it's uh, so I'm looking at social media. So whether it's on social media, but when we're disrespected, we always more than likely feel the need to address it. But the thing here is, once we address it, now the ball is in our court. You must handle it. It would have been a lot easier to exercise a godly character, moral courage personal integrity, mature, mature behavior, humility, and gentleness. I didn't say that is that it's uh, so much easier, but it takes a conscious effort. And now that you know, now that you know from what I just read, what the spirit of ascension, what that character looks like, these are things that you want to pray and adopt as your very own. God, give me a godly character. Give me moral courage, personal integrity, mature behavior in everything, humility and, and gentleness in everything that help me to help me help gentleness to come out of my mouth, even though I'm being even though I'm being slapped in the face. Help me to be gentle. Help me to exhibit a godly character, moral courage, moral courage that requires that I don't respond. Moral courage requires that I take the high road and I don't I don't feed into the 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 ridicule that may be coming my way or the put down that might be coming my way. Why? Because it's not important. It's that's not being about my father's business when I do that. That's not being about my father's business when I allow myself to be distracted, when I allow myself to respond, when I re, um, allow this flesh to respond. That is not being, that is not my operating in a godly character. We are to make, verse 3 says, make every effort. Make every effort to keep the oneness of the spirit in the bond of peace. Make 
every effort to stay one with the spirit of God. Make every effort to stay seated because therein lies your peace. Therein lies your peace. See, we are all a one body of believers, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. I've said that we, we are all the same. God is asking right now. God is asking for everything. I want everything. I let you come this far doing this and that the way you chose to do this and that. But if you're going to go with me and be used of me in this next phase, in this next phase of where I am going and what I am doing, it is going to take everything. You are going to have to be all in, all in. You are going to have to be all in. And when you're talking about being all in, when we're talking about being all in, in um, Luke 5, he talks about when Jesus first, uh, you know, began to choose his disciples. And I liked, I liked reading this scripture because it, it somewhat gave me, um, I guess a bit of a, a resume uh, when you're thinking about the the spirit of ascension. It gave me an idea of the 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 hmm, what's the words I'm looking for. It gave me an idea of how one walks and and stays in that position, that 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 seat in heavenly places, and how they are able to maneuver. And actually stay engaged and in oneness with Jesus Christ. And I just want to share that with you. And then I'm going to be done. And, and uh, let's see. In verse 3, I'll start there. Well, I'll, I'll just give you a summary of the story. This is when Jesus, he had been standing by the lake of Genesaret. And um, he saw two boats there. And remember, the crowds were following him. So what he did was he got in one of the boats. And he asked Simon, pull away from the shore, away from the people. And then he told him, the people stay on the shore. And he ministered from the boat. He ministered from on the boat. Verse three says he got into one of the boats, which was Simon, and he asked him to put out a little distance from the shore. And he sat down and then he began to teach the crowds from the boat. And see right there, I saw a separation from the crowds in order to stay in his place of ascension. He is trying to distribute a knowledge of who God is to the people, but he had to do that from a place of ascension. So he had to move, separate, separate from the crowd. And then the next verse, verse four says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, put out into the deep water and lower your nets to catch, for, um, lower your nets for a catch. And then I saw there, he told him to go out into the deep water, go out into the deep, uh, far away from the crowd, away from the shore, and then to lower his net. What I saw there was next, go past your place of comfort. Go past where you already have seen. Go past that. Stop Stop going backwards and go, go forward. Go past. Go past where you are stopping right now, where you're standing right now. Go out into the deep. Go past. Go past where you stand. Go past your comfort level. And then in verse 5, it says, Simon replied, Master, we worked hard hard all night to the point of exhaustion, the Amplified Version says, and it caught nothing in our nets. But at your word, 
I will do as you say and lower the nets again. So now we're separating from the crowds, going past our comfort levels, pushing past the point of exhaustion, and we are trusting God. We are trusting God. See, when you're moving, when you're trying to stay in your seat, when you are trying to agree with God and the spirit of ascension and operate therein, it is going to be exhausting. And you are going to have to trust God. Because remember, you moved from the crowd. You're no longer a part of the crowd. And you're so you're already out of your comfort level. And you're at a point of exhaustion. Now you have to trust God. And then what happened was in, in verse 6, when they did this, they caught a great number of fish with their nets. And they were at the point of breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them come and help them. When I was speaking earlier about the scripture saying we are fitly joining together, this scripture is basically saying the same thing. Understand that there is help. Every joint supplies another. There is help to your left and to your right. There is a joint supplying you and there is a joint that you are supplying. There is help. But eight, but Simon, but when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, go away from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Know your point of unbelief and reconcile that unbelief with repentance. Know your point of unbelief and reconcile it with repentance. Simon was not ashamed to tell God, basically, I'm sorry. I didn't trust you. I gave you an explanation. I told you that I was exhausted. I told you we'd already done that before I obeyed you. Before I obeyed you. God, I'm sorry. I got up out of my seat and I attempted to handle this on my own, to do this on my own. But I repent and I return back to my seat. I am going to reconcile my unbelief with repentance, with repentance. And verse nine says, for he and all his companions were completely astounded at the catch of fish which they had taken. So they received their reward with obedience. Receive your reward, your reward with obedience. So right now we already know the spirit of ascension, separate from the crowds, go past your comfort level, push past the point of exhaustion, have faith in God, understand there is help, know your point of unbelief, reconcile it with repentance, and be prepared to receive your, to receive your reward in obedience. Be prepared to receive it. Um, verse 10, he says, and so were James and John, the sons of Zabindi, who were partners of um, partners with Simon. Jesus said to them, have no fear. From now on, you're going to be catchers of men. Receive and know your assignment. Receive and know your assignment. After they bought their boats and they left everything and they followed Christ. Last thing, leave everything behind. Leave everything 
behind. Separate from the crowds. Go past your comfort level. Push past your point of exhaustion. Understand there is help. Know your unbelief and reconcile it with repentance. Receive your reward of obedience. Have no fear. Know your assignment. Know your assignment and leave everything that does not pertain to your assignment behind. Leave it all behind. Leave it behind. Leave it behind. We are trying to drag too much with us. We are trying to drag too much with us, with us. It is it, something when we, when we, um, when we have to make changes and we have to make adjustments, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we're, we're sensitive. We're so sensitive. We so don't want to hurt someone. We so don't want to hurt another person's feelings. I, I, if we are going to do what God is calling us to do in this last day, unfortunately, we're going to have to hurt some feelings. Because everywhere for this next where you go, everybody's not going to be able to go with you. Everyone is not going to be able to go with you. So you have, you have to stop at some point dragging along dead weight. You have to come out of the crowd. You're going to have to. And you're going to have to push past your exhaustion. You're going to have to do it. Can you imagine doing that and carrying dead weight too? Dead weight also? It, it, it's, it, is, it sounds like a whole lot, but I promise you it's just a matter of making a decision. And then once you make that decision, put that decision into practice. And then once you put that uh, once you put that decision into practice, monitor it, watch it on purpose, align it with God, align it with God, with what God is saying, align it with the instructions that God has, um, is, is giving you in your seat and stop fighting battles that are not yours to fight. Stop fighting battles. That is not yours to fight. Receive God's instruction as Jesus told them, launch out into the deep, launch out into the deep. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And the example was the, that they had so much fish that the net began to break. The nets began to break. See, right now we think we have, but has your net actually broken we think we have more than enough. We think we have some change, some monies. But really, truly, has your net broken yet? Then I surmise you have not gone far out enough into the deep. You have not gone out far enough. You have not been exhausted enough. You have not left the crowds. See, in order for God to give us that 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 blessing or that that um that that uh, manifestation, that manifestation where the fish break the net in order for God to give us that, it's going to require that we follow his instruction and launch out into the deep. It's going to require that we follow his instruction. And that is not going to be easy, but it should be easy decision. Now to practice it and make it a discipline, that's your assignment. You are going to make a decision and then you're going to practice it. And you're going, you're going to make it a discipline. You're going to make your flesh submit to your decision. 
Make your flesh submit to the seat. Make your flesh receive the grace. The grace. See, because your spirit is willing. Your spirit is willing. It's your flesh that keeps dragging you, your spiritual man, from your seat. And engaging in all un untyped, unnecessary activity that has nothing to do with your father's business. Come on, can we agree today? I want to be about my father's business. Put that in the chat. I am going to be about my father's business. I am going to be about my father's business. Come on now, we got to let go. We got to let go. We have to let go of what is not going with us. To, to, to do the good works, we have to let that go so that our works don't get tainted. So that our works don't get tainted. Come on, the land is too big. I said that a few weeks. The land is too big, Lot. The land is too big. We have too much stuff. So I tell you what, I'm going to let you go to the left. You pick wherever you want to go. And where, whichever direction you go in, I'll go the opposite direction. But here is where we part. We'll meet again. We'll meet again. But here is where we part. I'll keep you in my prayers. Abraham prayed for Lot. But here is where we part. Here is where we part. I'm going to be about my father's business. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you today. We thank you today for giving us an understanding of the spirit of ascension. We thank you today, God, that we elect to sit in our heavenly seat. We choose, oh God, we choose, oh God, to receive your, your extreme kind gift of grace, God. And we ask you today, God, to cleanse us from filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit. Perfect us that we might walk in the calling in which you have chosen for us. Perfect us, oh God, so that we can walk in the good works, so that we can perform the good works that you have for us, that you set aside for us in your plan. God, 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 we yield. We yield to you. We yield our thoughts to you. We yield our mind to you. We yield our heart to you. Align our hearts with your grace. Align our hearts with your mercy. Align our hearts with your will. With your will, O oh God, cause us not to look to the left, not to look to the left, nor to the right, but cause us, O oh God, cause us, O oh God, to fix our eyes like a flint on your promises, O oh God. Help us, O oh God, to know ourselves so that we will not be carried away with the distractions of the enemies. God, don't allow the enemy to know us better than we know ourselves. Don't allow the enemy to use tools against us that we ourselves are not familiar with. Help familiar with. Help us, oh God. Help us, oh God. We reach for you. We need you, oh God. We desire, we desire to hear your strategies. We desire to understand your mysteries, but we need your help. We need your help, God. 
Leadership needs your help, oh God. Help our leaders today, God, to stay seated in heavenly places. Help them to stay silent that they might hear your instruction, that they might hear your wisdom of the matter. Help, God, our prophets today to go as Habakkuk did up to the tower and stand with arms folded and see what God will say to our enemies. Watch what God will do with our enemies. God, I pray this for your apostles and your prophets, oh God. Those of us that are confrontational, that we wouldn't feel the need to fight every battle with our mouths. With our mouths. But your mouth instead is sufficient to bring you all the glory and all the honor, oh God. Help us, oh God, because herein lives, lives are in the balance. Herein lives are in the balance. We must stay seated and we must hold our peace, our faith with a pure conscience. We need you, God. We need you, oh God. And I send you, God, throughout the land, throughout the land throughout the land, to Christian leadership all over the world, to my friends in Africa, I send you out, God, to my friends in London, I send you out, God, I send you out, God, that you would touch these leaders, that you would touch these leaders in these United States as well, touch your true leaders, oh God, and help them, oh God, to hold on to your unchanging hand and not be moved by the tactics, the wherewith all the deceptions of the enemy. You have promised us victory already and we receive our already done victory, oh God. Make us fishers of men, God, and cause our net to burst with men and women who but now believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Your hand works, your hand at work. Now, in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Lord God, I pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done. In the name of the Lord God, I pray. We will pick this up on next week. I look forward to seeing you all next week at 7 p.m. on Monday. On Monday, thank you so much for joining me. Everyone, have a Good, 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 good evening. You are in my prayers. You are in my prayers.